Hello, Dr. Shaw here, and welcome to our 95th podcast on teaching humanity remotely. I've had a lot of requests to dive a little deeper into what we have been discussing for the last few weeks, and so I'm going to do that. And where you can make your requests known is by visiting my website at learnwithmeremotely.com. There, you'll not only be able to leave me questions, concerns, any kind of feedback that you'd like, but you can also look at all of my books that are on sale. And I know I've been promising this for a while, but I will have a discounted bundle on my website sooner than later. Until then, you can certainly go to Amazon and you can look at Dr. Shaw's author's page paperbacks. Okay, now, as they say, on with the show. Although this doesn't really feel like a show, this really feels like a very important exchange that we have, especially given the fact that I get your feedback via my website at learnwithmeremotely.com. So what I want to discuss is that when we are learning something new, and I think this is very, very important, in my history as a teacher, there were teachers that taught a lot of, lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. And in the stuff that they taught, there was a lot of fluff. Then there were teachers who taught less stuff, but went very deep on the essential things that needed to be taught. And clearly that's my philosophy. So what we need to do is we need to have the new learning, and then we need lots and lots and lots of guided practice. What does guided practice look like and why do we need it? Well, I'll first tell you why you need it. You need it because you do not want to practice incorrectly. So if I am just left to practice independently, I can learn the incorrect thing. So for example, I have a friend who spells the word rarely R-E-A-L-Y. That's how she spells it. It's actually with two L's, but she sees it incorrectly. And so that's how she spells it because she was never corrected to spell it correctly as a kid. And so guided practice means that you have the opportunity to practice while you're being guided. So in my classroom, the one thing I did that I was the best teaching academically that I did is that every single day, kind of the first thing in the morning after greeting, children wrote in their journals. And every single day, I conferenced with each and every student. They got their individual learning lesson that they needed based on their own writing ability. They got to write, and then I got to address their learning need and give them a learning lesson, and then they got to practice, and then they got to write again. So I was always guiding their practice. So within the guided practice, there's an element of independence to see really what they know and what they don't know. But what they don't know is being addressed immediately so that they can learn the new learning. So lots and lots of guided practice. It's really important. And when you're learning something new, it's the same. This is how learning happens. New learning, lots of guided practice. And so when you're learning something new, let's say you want to teach your child to not be the cause of their own suffering and you are still learning that as well. I'm learning it all the time. I'm seeing in the ways in which I am going about my day and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden something happens that isn't fine. And I see how I resort back to old stories that don't serve me anymore, or it's like a fallback position. Oh, 
I was always insecure as a kid. I was. I was always insecure as a kid. I am not insecure anymore. But when I get a little off kilter, I'll go there. I'll go to that story as if I was an insecure kid. And I have to watch myself have new learning occur. So then I need to guide myself through my practice by saying, Mindy, that's an old story. You don't need that story anymore. You don't want to be the cause of your suffering. When I get off kilter, I immediately resort to like an old pattern. That's a habit that doesn't serve me anymore. I need to catch that. And only then when I'm paying attention to that which doesn't serve me, could I change that? So you sort of need to model that for your child. So let's say your story is that you're high strung but you're really working at not doing that anymore. So when you are in a hurry getting everyone out of the house and making sure that your child gets to camp on time or you get to work on time or whatever it is, and you see yourself in that kind of high-strung situation and you realize that that has been the cause of your suffering, once you catch yourself, you stop. And when your child's watching it, you can say, oh, wow, I just saw that that was like an old pattern. I used to always be high strung. You remember when mommy would get so upset about something? Well, I'm trying not to do that anymore. So now I'm going to count to 10. And you're going to, so you're going to point out the strategies. You're going to model it as you're learning. And then you're going to explain to your child, look, honey, I'm learning too. So I'm not saying that we're not allowed to be unhappy or upset or, you know, have feelings that might not be the most positive. There are things that get us upset and get us mad and angry and sad and depressed. Things happen. What I am saying is that when we catch ourselves being the cause of our own suffering, like let's say I'm in a crowd, I've used this example before, and after I leave them, they I don't feel good about myself, then I can sit myself down and I could say, Mindy, you have choices. You either need to have different expectations when you're in this crowd, or if the crowd doesn't serve you and you feel badly about yourself after you're with them, you need to go to a different crowd. And you're allowed to have those conversations with your child because feelings are big and they're confusing and they're hard to negotiate when you're young. They're hard for us too. As you can see when you start this new learning and you see all the ways in which you have quick reactions to things that seem out of your control and you start to have these feelings that are now in your control and when they're not serving you, actually try to fix that. So I'm hoping that this is a good explanation. What I'm saying is that we have automatic ways in which we respond and react. So you first have to catch yourself in that automatic reaction. Once you see that, then there's a possibility to change the behavior. But that would need a lot of practice, guided practice, because we have habitual ways of behaving that are so automatic we don't even see them. So the first thing is to see. Where are you the cause of your own suffering? And once you see that, then you have to start to implement new strategies. And that will take a lot of time, a lot of practice. And as you are practicing these new strategies, what I'm saying to you is you should be articulating these strategies that you are trying to implement in your own life to your children so that you are all learning together. The issues will be different. You probably won't get as upset, for example, or may not even have the opportunity to get upset by being not picked for a gym sport or something like that. So the issues will be different, but the strategies are the same. 
you know, I was thinking about this, and I'm, I think I've probably shared the story before, but when I was a teacher, we would teach children to really need external praise. Oh, you want to get the blue ticket? You want to exchange the blue ticket to get a pencil? And I always was really against that because what would happen when we teach children to need external praise, when they become a little older and they're less likely to get the praise, they start craving it. And the other thing that they learn is that the learning in and of itself isn't enough. Why would that be? Why would your child need to get any kind of bonus or extra praise if they're learning how to read? Why wouldn't the learning how to read be the gift? We wonder why our kids turn out to be the way they turn out to be as adolescents. And if you trace it back, it's because we taught them. We learn what we are taught. So it's very important to us to teach them correctly. And we are relearning too. I don't want to have my story that doesn't serve me anymore. I don't want to have the fallback of like, okay, I'm insecure. I'm a five-year-old insecure child now because that's not really who I am anymore. But when I get off kilter, I go there. So I need to first see that that's an old story that doesn't serve me. And then I need to create new stories that will serve me. And that needs to be explored and modeled in front of your child. These teaching points, we teach them other things that we don't want them to learn. Let's be mindful to teach them what we do want them to learn. And what we want them to learn is that when they are suffering, they can examine, reflect what their part is in the suffering and change that behavior. So please let me know how that goes and we can further discuss this in the future. And please feel free to visit my website at learnwithmeremotely.com. Until next time, let's enjoy exploring this new learning together with lots and lots of guided practice.